When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Base Impact Podcast. Um, really enjoyed last week's one. We had a great response to that. This week we had to set up something special for you. It is 30 years of Suburban Base since the inception of Suburban Base 30 years ago. So we had to bring back one of the most prolific Suburban Base recording artists. And you guys have been waiting for this. Uh, I've had to track him down because he's been off of social media and that for a minute. So... Um, you're all going to be pleased to hear this week we have got De Cruz. Dan, how you doing, brother? You right? <laughs> I am very well. And I'm very happy to be speaking to you, mate. Because uh, right it's way, been a man. minute, hasn't it, mate? I, I've, I've been living abroad for a while, and obviously it's yeah. been a long time since uh, we, we was releasing on the label. Um, but how have you been? What are you up to? Well, you know, it's not much really in regards to we're just living life and you know, getting on with things. Um, it's not really a thing where I've kind of made myself anonymous. Like I said, I'm, I'm not really a massive social media person, but, you know, I've been around, I've been doing things. Um, just like I say, well, not doing much actually with this current lockdown and whatever, but... Yeah, it's affected everyone. It has, mate, yeah. But, you know, music-wise, I have a little, uh, little dabble and stuff like that, you know, but nothing really that I've, um, you know, decided to pursue and put out because, you know, it's got to come from a good place and stuff like that. So um, it, it's one of those where I still have a, a kind of, um, you know, do a few things, but when the time's right, maybe I'll put something out, I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to twist your arm, I think, because uh, I, I know a lot of people being honest, you know what I mean? Of all the people they sort of demand from the Suburban Bass label, it's like, where, where's where's the cruise? You know what's the cruise up to? You know back in the day, uh, amongst the roster of artists, I always enjoyed spending time with you. We would like you know hang out, yeah. go to events, go to events together and stuff like that. And um, for me, you was always just a nice energy to be around and, and hang out with. You know how, how how did you you know your your relationship or how did you view sort of the rest of the suburban base? artists and the people that you were kind of like surrounded by at that time what was the, what was the the feeling well it's, it's a funny story right because i don't i don't know if we've even discussed this how i came about to to meeting you right it was crazy because i started you know i was always into obviously the whole electro hip-hop here thing you know coming up building a little studio and so on you know we'll, we'll, we'll skip all that because it can go on for ages but you know it got to a point where I started going out raving, like listening to Hurt Pirate radio stations, mainly Fancy FM and such. And my friends were saying about, you know, some of the demos I was doing, perhaps reaching out to labels and like say, you know, seeing what they thought, if there's any chance what they thought of them and stuff like that. So at the time, I, I wasn't really that, I thought these are really rough little demos on a tape. But I thought I'd give it a go. They kept on it. So I reached out to um, one of the labels I reached out to was um, Kicking. You know, I, was, I thought they were great at the time. They were a great label. 
managed to get in touch with someone there and just by pure luck they gave us um, a meeting to come down and have a chat with them plan some demos so I did that I went down there and um, to my surprise and amaze- amazement um, their actual AI man was um, was hype right was care so I was yeah start with I was kind of blown away by that right because yeah. I'm like so you're already a fan of Fantasy DJ. FM which was yeah, DJ Hype was on that station you you, you recognise him straight away yeah it's just blown me away right? even that but you know that would have been cool if it ended there I would have been happy right but it, you know he listened to the demos um, like I said they're pretty rough and he did say there's something there but um, unfortunately at the time the kick like kicking was flying right like um, so they kind of said we haven't really got a lot of time to give you we can't give you really any studio time we're really busy at the moment but there's a guy over in Essex called Danny (laughs) (laughs) who started off a little label (laughs) no word of a this sounds shady (laughs) (laughs) honestly right there's this guy he said I'll give him a bell you know I'll, I'll let him know that you'll come in is his number, you know, like, you know, hopefully he can get in touch and maybe arrange something. Couldn't believe that, you know, the rest is history, I guess, but um, to come down, come down to Boogie Times, the first time I've ever been down there, you know, up South East London. So um, to come over there and uh, meet yourself, the boys, like Dan, Winston, Dave, it's just yeah. amazing, you know, like, and of course, uh, base were, you were doing it at the time, right? Like, so again, it was kind of like, wow, this is this is crazy. Do you know what I mean? To just have that, and then of course, you gave me you gave me the time of day, listened to the rough old demo, which um, I believe well it included, um, I believe, and what a rush. And you know, again, you just it, it's I do truly believe things like that, being in the right place at the right time, things happening for a reason. You gave us the studio time to uh, to go in and see what I could do. And what was the next step then for, uh, you know, for, for jogging my memory and for letting, letting the listeners know, you know, you went you went into Suburban Bay Studio to work on what were rough demos to sort of, you know, finish them off or sort of uh, improve the mastering and that. What was the next step from being introduced to us with a cassette tape in your hand to, to getting a release on, yeah. on one of the labels? Well, it was a really rough demo that I had, right, from a little, a real sort of self-built, Studio, little studio I had, and Akai X7000. It wasn't even a rack mount. It was like a, a cable module which had sampling time in about three seconds or something. I can't. I, I remember. I remember. Yeah. So yeah, right. So it was. Um, it was one of those where I had this demo, I had the ideas. I kind of moved my way a little bit around the studio of how it worked. But going in to the stuff studio, you know, called meeting meeting Austin again, it was it was kind of building the, the track up again from scratch, right? So you know, like playing in all the parts, you know, kind of adding some stuff which I didn't have the the, the, the kind of capability to do in my studio. And I, I learned I learned untold, you know, like Austin kind of introduced me to the Cubase, like you know, working with a with a big desk. Um, so it, it was it was an amazing experience for me. And it was just creating the track. So the first track I did was I Believe, uh, which again, like I say, was just literally playing everything in and uh, redoing the whole thing from scratch. And then the next track was uh, What Rush, which, um, yeah, again, it was like I had a really rough idea about it. Um, Didn't have everything worked out, but kind of worked it out in the studio. 
and it turned out all right. Again, I was just blown away by the whole process, you know, being in that company, someone like Austin, who, who um, it, I learned so much from, right, and just um, and just cracked on from there, really. Yeah, I mean, already you've, you've gone from, like, a bedroom producer and, uh, and, and a fan and a raver um, yeah. to producing these records. And you've mentioned two names there that were really a big part of both of our stories i mean dj height was a was a rich sort of uh a r source for for suburban base he would introduce people and bring people in and um and a lot to do with you know shaping the style and sound and then austin of course um really yeah. helped shape the sound one of the, fir- the first sort of um in-house engineer producer i guess uh would, would keep the studio busy bringing people in and really helped sh- shape the sound you know, these were these people were a big influence for both of us. Did you feel like you were part of the family then at that stage when you when you were brought into the fold? <laughs> no, not really. I mean, because it was all, you know, just sort of meeting you guys and it was super friendly and really welcoming and we all got on, we all got on great. But to be fair, like I, I think I've mentioned this to to um, you know friends and stuff in the past. When you look back in retrospect. It was kind of like for me. It was like I just won, a, you know, like a competition or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? To be, it was really like that. I never felt, you know, that I've come in like, well, yeah, there we go. Um, you know, I'm part of the crew. I, I, I'm never. I, I don't know. I'm just not that feel that way. But it was amazing. Like say, I was a raver, right? I was just sort of all of a sudden. I went from and my friends as well. You know, you met many of them it kind of come along it was just a great experience to be kind of on the inside of a label which we knew you know which was obviously early early doors but my god wasn't it like you know making some putting out some killer tunes straight from the get-go right and it was like well i'm I'm kind of part of this i mean instead i'm meeting austin and you know i remember little stories like for example like of course after that he used to come down to the shop and we got to know each other more and more like all, all of us guys right and um you know being hanging out in the shop and uh chatting with breaks and that you know i was talking to him he goes let's get on in the studio like, great it's amazing you know he goes yeah the demo it's, it's all right it's really good i like it and he's like i'm in the studio next week really what you got <laughs> so then he goes he gets his little demo tape out right what's he got far out <laughs> you know what I mean he's like playing me rough it's little things like that and I'm like mate that sounds good do you know that? that's sweet and you know and, and uh, I know it's, it's crazy little stories like that which um, were classics you know which are really good memories and, uh, yeah, I mean, we were just, on, you know, just we were things. throwing everyone in the studio, giving them a chance. If you was part of the crew and you were around, you know, it's like, well, let's give it a go, you know. And yeah, um, yeah it was amusing to me because you, you mentioned we was chatting recently, and you said you felt like for the longest time, even when you was on your your fourth, fifth release, you're like, you still felt like you'd won a competition. I thought, <laughs> the funny, I thought it was the funniest yeah. thing ever. That really tickled me. But, you know, yeah. you weren't really meant to be there and, and like, you know, uh, yeah. you know, you won the lottery yeah. and here I am sort of raving and, and um, you know, putting out tunes. Yeah, with... for sure, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like I say, and, and from that, you know, meeting all the other legends in the scene, like, you know, you've had some of them on the show and just um, and being part of that and just being around it. And it was amazing. You know, something that I really, really cherish, you know, good memories, good times. For sure. You rem- you reminded me. I talking about being part of the crew and and then and then able to meet um, 
our heroes because you know i spoke to yeah. Danny ken you know a few weeks back on this show and yeah. um, you reminded me of a story the other day where we went yeah. up to AWOL again, which was like our yeah. second home. We loved it. Tell us that story, because, you know, you you got to meet some of your favourite DJs and all that kind of stuff, but um, that story you gave us, you gave me the other So, day. yeah, again, we were looking to go AWOL, right? And uh, as we always did, and we thought we'd start out this time, you know, watching the FA Cup final. I can't, can't remember who was playing or whatever, but we've said we'll watch it at the offices and then we'll go down, right? We'll just drive down or whatever. But, you know, we had a good few beers and, and all the rest of it had a good laugh. And at the time, from what I remember, was we had, um, well, you just cut a plate for Dark Stranger, which we just did, right? Yeah. And we, the plan so we, was we, to... we just come out of the studio, I mean, when? Like the week before or whatever? We literally just yeah, made, made that shoot. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So and neither it, of us it, had it heard like... it. Neither of us had heard it at a club. We'd never heard it out. No. And we're just like no, no, kicking no. it on a, you know during the daytime watching watching football and drinking and that for sure and it was um, you know the thing was well let's go down AWOL we'll take the plate and we'll see we'll, you know we'll, we'll give it to one of the guys and see if they'll play it you know like, and it, that, see how it goes down so yeah <laughs> but then by the time of course we got a little bit um, you know a few too many drinks none of us were driving down there so how are we going to get down there <laughs> how are we going to get down there <laughs> we can't get cabs <laughs> What do we what do we do? <laughs> you go it embarrassed me now. So yeah, so I, I, I booked a limo. <laughs> so, we're all like falling about drunk after watching the football day. We booked the limo. Get all pile in there, you and all your mates from down in Welling, a couple of us from, from, from the label, we all jump in and we all go down the wall yeah. with a dub plate in our hand. I mean how flash was that? How flash was that? Like we just oh, no. Uh, Let's no, get down but, there. That, but, I didn't realise. Uh, I didn't realise. Yeah, but it, it was funny times, though, man. It was funny. But um, I remember seeing, like, so we're parked up outside there, and we're just in, like drinking or whatever, you know, like the drinks in the limo, <laughs> just just canning out the decanters, or whatever they had. And then we like, we see Mickey. We see Mickey just kind of turning up to do his set. So we're like, <laughs> like, why the windows down? Like call him over, Mickey Carter. <laughs> He's like, "What are you doing?" And we're, um, you know, <laughs> we're like, you know, it's just pure pandemonium. It was, a, it was a good crack. It was funny. Mick, take this, you know. He t- um, just done his chair. He's like, "All right." So he took it, and to be fair, he had enough faith in us, right, <laughs> to, to, to drop it. And um, and it went down well, right? It went down. It, it went down I can't, pretty I well. I can't believe after seeing the state of us all like shouting know, from, from, the, from the back of the limo. Like I can't <laughs> believe he had the faith to actually drop that tune. But he played yeah. it that night. It went over yeah. well, and, and like the rest is history. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, I mean that's just an example of like you know us lot hanging out and having a laugh, or whatever. And there's always like some of some of your mates that weren't even like recording with us, or whatever. They'd always hang out, yeah. and it was very much like a, a family atmosphere, wasn't it, amongst uh, the label and the artists and that? Yeah, it was. It was absolutely. Like, so, like I've heard you um, talk about it on on the previous uh, podcast and stuff, but we were just. We were just out there, you know, just having, just right, just having fun, you know, and just being part of that whole thing, you know, seeing how the scene progressed. It wasn't like we were just doing like what we were doing, and you know, and making good music, having having a laugh, and yeah, it, it was just great. Was yeah, great. I mean, I, I'm I was looking back over 
some of the releases you had with us. And I'm going to suggest that probably you had more recordings with Suburban Bass than any other artist. Because when I look at because you actually did a full album as well, so there's a whole bunch of tracks yeah. there. And um, and then before you actually, uh, let's say, graduated to the Suburban yeah. Bass label, you had a couple of releases on the Boogie Times label. Your first releases, there was those ones you were talking about, were on Boogie Times record label. Yeah. So there's those, and then there's this. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch. There's World Within a World and Lonely. It was, it was a great song. Bass Go Boom, Watch Out, Are We In, Land Speeder. I mean, this is like you know a whole bunch of stuff there. And when you add it all up, I reckon you probably had more on the label than any, anyone else. You know? Yeah, mate. Possibly, possibly. But um, yeah. yeah, it was it was a lot of tunes. You know, like it was always I was always in the studio when we were we weren't out. Um, that was it, you know. I was just living and breathing that, and there was there was a lot of stuff that I was coming up with. There was a lot of stuff actually, which didn't actually make it out, you know. But like you say, man, it was it was just that. It was just about you know getting in the studio. I remember working on like some other releases as well, like you know working with with, with nods and stuff like that, and yeah. um, you know, I remember doing the lit back organisation stuff with uh, with Greg and Ash, you know, like and just yeah. obviously our stuff together. It was all about that. It was all about just just making yeah. music, collaborating, and having a it. laugh. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the days, and, it, and you know, we uh, we collaborated on something. I remember coming down. I remember your your little studio at the the back of the yeah. house. You'd have to like walk through one room and into another room. The little box yeah, room at the back. Sick, yeah. Yeah, not yeah. the flashiest studio set up in the world, but got the job done. And I come down there with a bag of samples and, and like a few ideas in my head. I'm like, you know, oh, maybe you can engineer this. And it's like, no, nah, this this isn't an engineer job now. This is like a collaboration. We're working on this together. And we, we ended up putting out records as the Boogie Times Tribe together as a collaboration. And everyone knows the Dark Stranger sure. tune and... and yeah. um, all the remixes and stuff yeah. that followed. What what memories do you have of sort of recording that? You know, get, getting in the studio and getting that done. Well, I remember like, exactly what you just said then. I mean, we were talking about because we, like I say, we were hanging out a lot. Obviously, going out, and what whatnot, and we talked a lot about different music that we were hearing while we were out. We talked a lot about what we were doing, and it's just it just seemed like an actual progression, I guess, at the time to the do same, right? Do you know what I mean? Like your sample collection was second to. So now, as you can say, you know, like, you know, yeah. from what I'm looking at now behind me. Yeah. <laughs> I was always a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a train spot, a bit <laughs> exactly. of a collector. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you know, it just comes out in in, in, in tunes as well and stuff. Whereas I had to kind of scratch around and stuff, so it was like a perfect match. I think I remember that like the time we were talking about what what we kind of wanted to do, the sort of thing we wanted to do, something hard. You know, it was sort of, the shift was moving along then. To like that more darker sound, right? Do you know, like we were kind yeah. of, it was just the way the natural progression. And of course, the actual legendary um, looking out, we anything was game, right? So, you know, just picking out the fattest beats and whatever from your, from your collection. We had so many, we had so many. Like, that's what I remember. It was just, it, it was fault for choice. You know, we had mm. so many samples and whatever, but we needed that kind of hook, I guess. You know, like that, that kind of vocal, you know, we came across the girl. I'm starting to lose it. Vocal. I can't remember what. Can you remember where that, where that came from? But I know it was from your collection. It was an amazing yeah, sample. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've got it. It was it was an old uh, um, a, sort of it? New York garage kind of song from you know uh, 
Yeah, I don't want to give away my sources. I'm sure I'm sure the train spotters on here are gonna know exactly <laughs> where it's from anyway. But, yeah, um, right. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure they'll know that tonight. And then just looking at that making of Dracula video that you had, you know, to yeah. get the the classic vocals. samples, you know, for yeah, yeah. The, the, the you know the Dark Stranger itself and the Dark Side of the Bullshit, you know, them sort of little snippets, which kind yeah. of then gave us a right. Okay, this is where this is going to go, Do you know. To, and it just got pretty dark. Got in there, like I say, came down. We, we started just layering down beats and, you know, and, and getting ideas down, working that out in between games of Tekken. I can remember <laughs> we do, like, sort of do a bit, then go and play a little bit of Tekken or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> then come back and do a bit. It was like it was, it was good. Right. It was a good working process. It worked out. Yeah, lovely. And uh, and then. Um... Your next releases after that, I mean, uh, I think bass, bass go boom kind of like progressed your sound on again. You know, Lonely, you know, is that like a 94 release as we're sort of moving on to that kind of period. A lot more smoother, kind of rolled out drum and bass kind of sound, you know. You can, you can really see the progression of the music and the scene from, I guess your first release came out in 91, I believe, and what a rush. You, you must have recorded them in like 1990 because yeah. uh, they, they came yeah, out sort of within that yeah. year. So, but you, the, when you hear how far that sound had come, just from like 1990 through to like 94, the sound had changed so much, you know. Uh, yeah. what, what, did you, what was your kind of overview of, you know, what was rave and what was becoming drum and bass, you know? For me, it, obviously, it all kind of started, started out with the, the whole breakbeat. You know, even just precursor to that before the race scene, you know, it was, it was getting more breakbeat-y. Before that, there was like that kind of electronic, you know, all the house stuff. I mean, it all started getting that sound. But I don't know, it was just kind of a, a natural progression. And I think that's what really shaped it in regards to everything else that was going on, other artists who were doing change, and everyone going out and then taking those influences and then trying something different. But that's always what's been crazy about that scene right like the whole like which has progressed on from rave i guess to drum and bass jungle well jungle drum and bass and then it kind of getting a little bit more musical people read band like intelligent sort of to a point where you know where it is today it, it, it's crazy it's just the, the, the beauty of that whole thing it's just everyone's kind of influences you know like which of music of which you're hearing when you're out your personal music what you listen to which kind of creates that sound and it moved on it just moved on pretty quickly and to, uh, like you say I think it's only when you can when you kind of stop and try and analyse them where, how did, it's like how did that happen you know like how did you get from, from yeah. here to here it wasn't like uh, one day you know we were all throwing our hands up in the air to pianos and stuff and then you know next minute you're like gurning it out well you know to, to like this all dark and there was always different influences reaching, you know, even from the race, race days. Like, you think like, there was always that ragger element, do you know what I mean, to, to form yeah. that, like, that pure jungle thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, our, our very our very first releases, you know, on Boogie Times, Future Assassins, had a reggae yeah. element to it. I wouldn't say yeah, it wasn't exactly. like Ragga Jungle, but it was a, that was a 1990 release and it was definitely reggae influenced. So, I mean, that element was always there. And, and yeah. for us, you know, we were coming from being fans of hip-hop and, and that kind of street culture yeah. 
And um, so there was always that breakbeat element in it, in it as well for us. But I mean, yeah, you're right. It's just such a, a natural evolution. You don't notice it while it's happening. It's funny when people yeah. say to you, sort of like, you know, well, when, when did you get into drum and bass or when did you get into jungle? It's like, well, I was, you know, there, part of it as it as it evolved. You don't really, you know, there's yeah. not like a cutoff date. It started on this day. You know, it was just yeah, yeah, you're true. part, of, part so of that whole thing, and you see it evolving. Yeah, it's really hard yeah. to sort of tie it down. It, it, it is, it is, but like, you know, I think as um, personally as a producer, you know, and a band, really, first and foremost, and making tunes, you always, and even to today, I mean, and even at that time, it's all about, you kind of just absorb, right? You absorb influences. And yeah. then, the, you know, I found as well, like the more that I went went on, you know, my production techniques were getting, were getting better. And another thing, actually, that that you mentioned in the previous podcast, which was so true. You know, the limited amount of equipment that, that I had, right, and what we, we all had to a certain degree, which which is available today. You know, don't want to sound too long, oh, back in the day and all that, it's not really about that. But it just was what it was. The imagination really needed to be, you know, you really had to think about what can I do with this? Do you know, like, you really had to make samples work. You really had to, and those production techniques, which I learned, and then you're picking it up from other other, other artists and stuff, you know, in our label and beyond, right? Like, you'd all be having a chat about things. How'd you do that? How'd you do that? You know, like, oh, right. And then someone would take it another another level. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. to do that. And that, and that was... That was the beauty of it. It was yeah. kind of a. You're pushing the technology and, and you know, what it's capable right. of doing or what yeah. it was even designed for. You know, that for becomes sure. part, yeah. part of, you know, how this scene evolved, you know. But to be fair, Jay, you did have some terrible equipment. Your, your sample was. <laughs> <laughs> your sample was, was like ridiculous. I'm like, can someone buy that, buy that boy an S950? <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Yeah. No, I mean to start with, it was it was it was terrible. I still kept that keyboard though as a controller. Oh my god! <laughs> no, because it's just nostalgia, right? But, That's vintage. Look. Can we put can we put it in the suburban base store? Put it in the merch store. Raffle it off oh, or my, something. I, 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 I wish I still had it there. But I'm sorry, right, <laughs> in the actual studio, yeah. the, the sampler was um, the, the sampling time of that to start with was, was just ridiculous, right? But how much sampling time was it was there on that? Well, well, on that X seven thousand, it was about. Yeah. Three or four seconds, and that's what I was doing the demos on, which I brought to the Subway Studio, right? So yeah. it was really, luckily, like I said, I recreated everything when I was in there, and then going on from that, doing all right out of those, I invested back in some equipment. And I managed to get a get an S one thousand. That was that was exactly days from then. Floppy nice. disks all the way. Luxury. <laughs> now, now you got ten seconds up with time. <laughs> <laughs> You're obviously influenced. You can tell, you know, the, the, the break beats and stuff like that, that element of rave. And I'll ask you to pick a few tunes to play, as I do all the guests that come on the show. These these tunes kind of show a little bit of that influence, that love of, like, uh, first of all, hip-hop and then breakbeat rave. Um, so let's have a listen to a couple of things. I love asking the guests to, to pick a, a tune or two because... It reminds me of songs that I love as well. And this first one was always on my mixtapes and, um, you know, I said I was a bit of a hip-hop head, you know. But um, JVC Falls, Strong Island, such a big tune, powerful tune. I'm going to play a little bit to remind us and remind the audience and then we'll have a a little chat on, on the other side of that, yeah? 
listen to the situation, my son. I'm as serious as cancer, all fun and done. For the time, the people cause bump the rhyme to do is valid. The best you will find. Living in CI, who the hell am I? AJ Rock, the juice, I get fly. Cool with the riffing guy, keep a handle. Cause if you don't, I wash it down like a candle. Be love, I'm a top villa. Part time killer, permanent chiller. Son of Sam Killer, the horror in the villa. Unlike the rest, the best, I am a thriller. Kill it or shoot it, bite it and distribute it. But either way, the two's unconstituted styling and wildin', constantly smiling. We'll keep trooping in a place called Strong Island. So there, JBC Full Strong Island. Big, big tune. Late 80s, what's that, 87 release, I guess. Big tune for me, big tune for me. I've got the original. I normally, you know, at this point, I'll drag out the original vinyl copy I've got sitting in the collection behind me. But we're only doing the podcast now, not doing the video version, so no point in doing that. <laughs> definitely one of my faves. I've got the original import copy sitting here. And what what did it mean to you? Why, why was this one of your picks when I've given you so few to choose for this show? It's obviously important to you. It is. I mean, look, to start with, it's really hard, right? You know, when you say, can you like, choose four tunes, right? So I really had to... I, I kind of... I know it's later on in, in the game, right? But it's all hip-hop and stuff, right? But, um, but I don't know. It just really resonated with me, that tune. And it still does today, right? It's just got that lazy beat, you know, the whole... The, the, the horns in it, which is uh, Free the Pain, right? Like the, the samples come Yeah, from free, free, free the Free the Pain well, band of gold, isn't it? Oh, no, uh, Unhooked Generation is the sample. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And it's just like, you know, finding finding that out, we're leading on to that, do you know what I mean? And that kind of world of music, it was just, I don't know, it's just a, it's a real, it's a real quality tune for me, which meant a lot. It also was around the time I started sort of going out and 15 maybe that sort of time first going um you know trying to sneak into little little clubs like hip-hop clubs and stuff like that so yeah it meant a lot it meant a lot yeah i mean for 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 your age i mean you you weren't you know this was going to be the hip-hop you were into that was about that time you know you're not going to be into that earlier stuff uh particularly you know but um it's the same label that uh you know boogie town productions krs1 that's right uh, b-boy records and uh, you know you didn't really see much else from that label other than this and maybe BDP, you know, all of those like absolute bona fide classics, really, you know. For sure, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just that's yeah. a great, great pick. You know, re- really, the next one that you you kind of like told me that, that you want for the show is another one of where you see the progression of breakbeats being used in rave, um, and you've you've picked the real life by a corporation exactly. of one. And, yeah. and you're seeing breakbeats kind of um, being used in rave records. This was a huge hit here in the UK, right across sort of rave culture. Yeah. Eighty-eight release, I suppose we were we were going out to it in like eighty-nine. I mean, I was just opening the shop. I've only been out of school like two years. You must have still been at school, you know? So like... yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, so like sixteen, like say eighty-nine, that sort of thing, that sort of time. And you, you, you spot on. It kind of marked that time. That, that, that crossover kind of time, like when breakbeats were really coming into play, you know, moving on from the house sort of thing. And I, it was just a, an absolutely great tune, right? You know, you use samples, that melodic, for me, it just, uh, it kind of really hit on. Yeah, and, and uh, very liberal use of samples. Just have another listen to, to yeah. this to remind ourselves 
and uh, and the audience at home, and then you know we can chat about it a, a little more on the other side, um, and kind of how this may have influenced your own production work. And that's uh, Corporation of One, the real life. And um, yeah, very uh, extensive use of samples there. I mean, you got big chunks of, of Queen and Simple Minds, sort of like pop rock acts being incorporated into the rave. So it makes it like very recognisable. But it just became a huge, huge anthem in the UK rave scene, right? Yeah, it did. No, it was just that whole feeling of it, you know, the, the, the use of the, not only the samples, but you know, there was really good um, kind of strings and everything going around that. I remember there's a there's a particular part in it when it really kicks in and like this kind of cut rhythm comes in and it does this lovely little arpeggio. You know, it's like yeah. them sort of things just stay with us. Right? <laughs> like, yeah, I played it to my missus, right? Like um, when, when you asked about it, I said, oh, check this tune. Have you heard this tune? And I don't think she'd heard it when it was out. Like, whatever thing. She went, I can see how you would, you know, this is something that was really that, that you would really like, and it's something that is kind of maybe. I went, yeah, absolutely. I think them sort of things they're deep rooted in, like you know what you do, making street like kind of uplifting sort of street. You know, at that time, do you know what I'm saying? To the first kind of things that I started to do. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, for me, I I can see how that influenced your productions i don't know if you you would agree with that yeah. but like when i listen yeah. to the first ones life and i believe and stuff like that you know maybe this Absolutely, was this yeah. was a tune that kind of allowed you permission to go okay well i can sample stuff i can incorporate yeah. break beats you know is that how you yeah. feel about yeah. it yeah definitely that was um 100 when you are to, to to think of those tunes like well yeah that was one of those first tunes you know obviously there were others but that was really a, a milestone tune for me. It, it kind of opens up your your mind, you know, in that what's possible. Of course, it wasn't really that possible for me with the, the rubbish sampling time I had at the, at the time. <laughs> but you know, we're, mo- we're yeah, we're moving forward. Yeah, it was it was all about that, you know, just taking those different elements, which samples can sometimes influence the, a whole track, right? You know, like really sort of get you. A riff or get you a feeling which the way the way that you go with it so yeah i would definitely say that 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 was a, a massive influence on, on certainly my early things which i was doing yeah absolutely and and um the next tune that you you chose to play on the show uh, was a landmark tune for a lot of people i think it was a seminal tune that influenced um yeah. early sort of breakbeat producing stuff like that so tell us what the next tune is that you chose it's Meat Beat Manifesto Radio, Radio Babylon, which was just absolutely 
a classic for me. And really, like, it just reminds me of that first time, you know, the first real rave that I went to, which was the first real rave, like the Crazy Club in Astoria. You know, everyone just having it, you know, going mad. And that tune in that club band used to sound so big, like so huge, you know, like the, 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 the beeline. Yeah. The drums, which were really like, you know, again, so many classics, right? Like, how can you choose it? Like, you know, <laughs> it's like, so I keep saying it, but again, if you had to choose one, that was one. Do you know, it yeah. just kind of, it went off. It's like, whoa, all right, you know, all the samples, the drums, huge. huge. I mean, amazing. I, I don't, I don't know if it was the volume of the re- of the recording of the cutting, but. It sounded so big in every room it was playing in, right? It really did. Yeah. You're talking about a club like the Astoria, which I guess really is a theatre. It's a huge, huge space. If anyone remembers going to the Astoria back in the day, and well played, by the way, that's your first proper rave going to Crazy Club at the Astoria. (laughs) I know, lucky, right? I mean, yeah. There's there's an introduction. Yeah, well, getting into that, you've got to think, I was only 16. When I was 16, I probably looked, I was told I looked about 12. (laughs) <laughs> I used to, you, you, you still know, do, mate, to be it. fair. <laughs> <laughs> and well, you know, I'll take it now, but at the time it was a jarring thing, right? So especially when you're trying to play it in club. And um, we used to queue up down at that queue, went on forever. But like me and my mates used to do it. And then we used to get to the front, and like the bouncers used to like laugh. And so sort of, I had this fake ID, which, <laughs> which is so rubbish. And, you know, they'd literally look at it, look at me, and then go, Hold on a minute. Dave, come here a minute. Do you know what I mean? They're coming, go, look, check this out. But this is Kendrick and Gone getting some. So it kind of worked in my favour. It, it, it was, they just thought, yeah, you'll try that. They took pity on you. Get it was a, It was all right. <laughs> it's a funny club. They took pity on me, basically, yeah. So the pity worked in my favour. But yeah, loved it. Absolutely um, inspirational, that place in, in every way tunes that they were dropping down there the, the atmosphere the lot the dancing on the tables it was crazy it was crazy club it was crazy club it was crazy club well, let's, have, let's have a listen to Meet Beat Manifesto Radio Babylon and imagine ourselves being back at Astoria on one of those nights and um, and how big that's going to sound on that set there let's have a little listen There you go. That's uh, Meat Beat Manifesto, Radio Babylon. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it shook the, the walls of uh, Astoria and any other club it was played at, you know. When you listen to, again, that bass line, it's just uh, incredible. It brings back so many memories. Yeah. Killer. Killer, mate. And, Absolute and, killer. And, honestly, such a big influence in so many ways on what was Breakbeat Rave and, and 
you know productions that spawned you know that you know going into trip hop and, and drum and bass and uh, you know i guess big beat and you know whatever the, the terminology was for kind of the breakbeat influenced uh post post rave kind of sounds and stuff it was um i think a lot of a lot of artists still cite that as being one of their sort of most influential kind of tracks you know yeah yeah it still stands up it's, it's, it, you're absolutely right it's just got that you know that timeless it's just a, like we said before the mix on it it's just amazing absolutely any more anecdotes of your raving days uh you know you told us about the crazy club uh, that was the first big rave you went to what, what was you doing before that you've been out of a couple of sort of local bits and pieces or um well funny enough the very first thing that i went to like i say i was kind of going out you know around about 15 that sort of time and one of the first the, the very first thing that i went to was actually like a, a college or a university in a place called russell square up in london right yeah and um i, I, I guess it was like so my brother was six years older than me and his friends he wasn't so much into that like going out but he did with them and i remember them talking about this this rate like this this event called superstitions on it, um, Russell Square, down at, at like I say, this college, and at the time I was really more into the hip hop sort of thing and stuff like that. So, I'm, you know, again, the funny stories at the door, the, the bouncers laughing at us in the gear, going some gigs, and, and going in. But we used to go to like the little, the little rooms, which obviously has all the hip hop stuff like that. Yeah. But in the actual main of the, the the college was where you know the main thing, like obviously uh, pre rave, I guess, like it was kind of all like house and you know that that kind of sound which was coming through and weirdly enough and only found this out after and it straight you know it was uh the guy who was was playing there at the time was paul oakenfold <laughs> this is when paul oakenfold was first kind of starting out wow you know with yeah. playing i know it's crazy right it's yeah. like what but like, at that time i think you know i only really listened to that sort of music when when i first started going out when i was going to the toilet or something, you know, like going. But I remember also there was a couple of tunes when I was kind of like, what is this? Do you know, what is this sort of music? Yeah. Like, this, so you're, in, you're, in, you're in the second room listening to the, the hip-hop yeah. and whatever, and then you're, you're here in the main room going off, thinking like, you know. Yeah. What's all the li- little did about? you know you're going to be part of that one day? And the geese, yeah, up, there, exactly. geese up there playing, you know, help sort of shape, shape so much of... You know the, the scene as it's sort of progressed over. You know, Crazy, amazing, yeah, yeah. amazing. I did ask you of one of the four tunes that um, I asked you to to play. I mean, I always ask for at least one to be something from your career that we can have a chat about and sort of get back on on track and and talk about you and talk about your productions. And there's so many and so many that you did for Suburban Bass. Um, I'm I'm privileged and lucky enough to be able to say. Um, so thank you so much for you know all the productions that you you did for us at Suburban Base. Thank you, man. And, um, and this Thank is definitely you. one of my favourites uh, out of, uh, you know, your productions and uh, always goes down a storm and there was a few VIP remixes of it. Let's have a little listen to um, Watch Out by De Cruz, the man himself. Them are my enemy, me and them no friend. Them no like me, I mean no like them. Just to me comfy, but the girl get me the yellow. Them no like me, I mean no like them. Them are my enemy, me and them no friend. Them no like me, I mean no like them. Just to me comfy, but the girl get me the yellow. Them no like me, I mean no like them. Them are my enemy, me and them no friend. 
there, uh, De Cruz, watch out. One of my favourites uh, of, of your tracks because I was re I really got into like the the jungle kind of element of, of our output. You know, I was very much into that sound. And you can probably tell because like, some of the earlier stuff, as we mentioned before, were kind of very sort of reggae influence and stuff like that. So yeah. um, that for me was was uh, you know one of the best things that you did for us. Absolutely love it. Tell Thank us, a, tell us a little Thank bit you. about that song if you have any memories of recording it or releasing it or first hearing it DJ'd out. Well, this is one of the reasons I chose this song because, well, actually, a couple of reasons. You know, I think I did obviously I kind of meant meant something to me on on some level. But this particular tune, right? This was the only tune, I guess. I, I mean, I was lucky to have this guy I, I used to work with. He actually, he was a massive fan of Dark Stranger, which was just before, right? So he, he worked in the Melbourne. So he used to come into the office. I was like, doing this office job at the time. And um, this, this guy, he used to come in, he's going, oh, it's the Dark Stranger. You know, like he, we used to talk about obviously going out and stuff like that. He had a really good Lago reggae section. And I said, look, like, because he had some really good knowledge. I said, come down and like, um, if you don't mind, like, come down to the studio, you know, bring some tunes, like, we'll have a listen and we'll see if we can do something. So he's like, yeah, absolutely, that'd be great. So anyways, he did, he came down, he, he, he brought some records down and that just popped out, right? The Cape and Gold, like, them don't like me, that was it. But I just knew straight away that tune, it pretty much wrote itself. It pretty much did. And it was one of those tunes where he got the sample. And I was saying earlier with samples, you, you know, you kind of just know. And, it, it, and amazingly, it, it didn't take long to do at all. Like where some of the tunes I've done previously, you know, you really keep going in. It, they take a little time. But this just was a, such a natural progression. It was like everything just seemed to slot its place, you know, the, the whole thing, sequencing it, mixing it. So that was great in itself. And I just... I was amazed with, like, you know, how, how it actually came out. But the funny thing was, I don't know if you remember, but um, when I was living at home at the time, we actually lived next door, unbeknown to us, for quite a few years. I don't know if you did know this, actually. I did know this. To the BMP... Go, yeah. To the BNP bookshop. Yeah, like, we used to wind you up about it. You literally live next door to the BNP bookshop. Not... We might need to update everyone. Who you know, if you don't know the BNP, it's like... Imagine the worst of like you know Britain first and and UKIP yeah. and all that kind of but but worse National Front yeah. BMP, it was the BNP you live right next door to a bookshop which was... <laughs> right so that in itself as that's a whole other set of stories right but the strange thing about it was I mean I remember like sort of coming back from nights out like obviously probably with yourself and whatever like when you know thinking what's going on and everything's fenced off to my drive, which I can't get in because there's going to be a march against the BNP, you know, yeah. like lasting it. But, you know, and rightly so, you know, marching against and stuff, but it was a crazy time. But anyway, so of course, that tune was written with that sample because it was a great sample, right? It was just a great sample. You know, like say the tune wrote itself. And I remember, you know, that particular tune because like them don't like me, we don't like them. And we were in um, AWOL, Paradise. I think it was... Uh, one session it might have been probably mickey gq steps up and he's like right here we got like last tune or whatever you know everyone's going mad like about it like the atmosphere is buzzing as it always was and then he starts saying about you know we're not going to take this anymore he's <laughs> like fuck you the bmp or whatever right you know give it everyone's going into a frenzy and then mickey plays um watch out 
And this was the mad thing. It kind of unofficially got taken, like, from what I've, you know, I've read and things like that. It's like a kind of a, a, a thing against the BNP, which was, I'm, I'm proud about, right? Good. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's like, good for that. Right wing extremism, <laughs> you know, any kind of extremism. I try not to make exactly. this a political show, it's yeah, a feel good that. show. But, no, you're right, uh, you're right. We, we know, we you're know right. that this is like, it's not part of our ethos and uh, it never has been. Yeah, you know? that's but right. the irony of that being adopted as this kind of like political stance against a BNP, and there you are, next door neighbours with them. <laughs> exactly. There's the comedy, right? Yeah. <laughs> It was one of those things and I just thought, ah, it, 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 it just made me laugh. And like I say, that, that kind of, um, there's a story behind everything, right? But um, but that, that did make me laugh about it. And it kind of, people were like, don't you care? And it's like, uh, nah, no, nah, I don't. But really, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's like trying to, trying to, you know, <laughs> but totally unintentional, but... You know, there you go. That's brilliant. I mean, yeah, it must have resonated with with Mickey as well because there's a yeah, a, quite a well well known VIP mix version of of, of that yeah. tune that um, Mickey sort of had on plate for a while and, and stuff like that. And um, I, I guess we're gonna have to try and track it down. I've got a box full of dats over here. See if we've. Yeah. I don't know if I ever had it because it, you you and Mickey made it as a special for him. So I don't even know if it I did, ever yeah. had a copy of that. You know, it's got to be. You know, you or give Mick a bell yeah. for that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, again, I was honoured. You know, Mickey, like great guy, a massive, like I say, again, kind of a, a person I really respected, looked up to. So for him to ask me um, if I'd be up for doing a special with him was, was amazing. Again, yeah. And we did that. Like say, Dan, I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I've got an old set of bats to say in the background, but yeah. Try and reach out with him, see if he's still got a copy. It'd be great. Weird. I think um, you're right that like um, I heard uh, someone sent me um, kindly sent me a, a, a rip of it, which is on SoundCloud or something like that, which was it sounded great. It really did. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. It's, it's nice that it's, st- it's still out there and exists to that extent. I, I saw. Yeah. Um, like, there's a lot of uh, Facebook groups about sort of you know early rave or early jungle and stuff like that, and all these conversations going. And one of them I saw the other day was um, what actually is a VIP remix, and everyone sort of in the group is chipping in and trying to sort of make sense of what a VIP remix is. Oh, it's just you know whatever, whatever, and, and no one really nailed what it is. I mean, for us, a VIP, and it, it pretty much comes again from kind of the, the, the reggae scene where you'd make a special, make a dub plate special, and you'd yeah. be the only one holding that, right? So these was these were versions of tracks, and we would do them quite often, where we'd put like the DJ's name at the front of the track, you know? And Mickey had a, a, a couple of little things where he yeah. had his name at the beginning of the tracks. That was a VIP. And VIPs weren't intended to be release versions. So when everyone says, oh, what's this VIP mix yeah. or whatever, and this whole group, I saw them getting, you know, and everyone's arguing with each other as well on this group. I didn't even bother really? jumping. <laughs> I didn't jump in to say anything. But like to me, a, v- a VIP, and I'm sure someone's going to want to correct me, but like a VIP was when you made a special for an individual and it was for them to hold and it was their version to play out. And that was Mickey's version. Everyone, you know, I've had people get on our social yeah. media and say, Absolutely. why aren't you releasing that version? Why, you know, get that one, you know, 
okay, if we can find it, but that was literally, it was made for him, made for his dub plate. It was. That's what a VIP is in its truest sense. Yeah, great. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. So, if any, if anyone wants to uh, start a petition, Mickey, find that for us. Maybe we'll put out. Maybe we'll put out a VIP. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and um, and we have right, caught, right. caught up recently. I, I wish uh, there were circumstances where we could actually get together and have a beer because uh, yeah. it's been it's been a little while, hasn't it? You know, but um, when when this hey. uh, you know lockdown situation's done. Uh, I'm gonna try and get a few of the lads together and uh, have a little bit of a, a reunion because I'm sure there's a few, a few, a few of the crew you want to catch up with. Oh mate, like yeah, for sure. I'm, like I caught up from the back of you know um, reaching out to yourself um, with Nodzi stuff like that. It was, it was amazing just to have that you know catch up and have a chat about you know what he's been up to and the, and the new stuff he's doing is amazing as well. Like the new artwork and his his music and things like that and we've got some plans to perhaps do some stuff in the future but you know yourself yeah it's great we, we need to can't wait till this is all done and dusted all this lockdown business and we can get we can proper have a proper catch up you know have a few beers again and pretend we're getting a limo down to able yeah why not <laughs> we'll see if we can get Mickey down and get that okay. remix on <laughs> let's make it happen mate um, always a pleasure absolutely Loved the whole time hanging out with you, working with you during the label years. Fantastic to catch up with you again. Thank you for joining me on the Base Impact podcast, and let's uh, let's just keep in touch and um, and hopefully we're going to hear some new things for you for the Sub Base thirty year anniversary. Yeah, man, I would love that. Yeah, but um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great. Really appreciate it. Man. Thanks for listening to the Bass Impact Podcast. Please subscribe for more episodes and follow Suburban Bass Records on our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube for updates and additional content. Thanks for your support. Tune in next time and stay safe. It's NFL draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.